following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Maybe if you sucked less, you'd have more money. And it's like, how is this about Jesus? Why is God's name Howard? (laughs) Howard be thy name. (laughs) What's the weirdest theological question a youth has ever asked? How do tigers mate? Perpendicular. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is... I'm Josh. And to my left... I'm Joel. And to my left is actually a special guest to the uh, Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm Kevin. And to my left, we have... It's me again. Full circle, Caleb. Uh, Joel, do we do things on the internet? Uh, Frequently, yes. Mm. I would say weekly, even. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, we release uh, Second Rate Saints uh, every Wednesday now. Um, Check us out on our website, um, secondratesaints.com. and SecretSaints at gmail.com is how you can best get a hold of us mm-hmm. for long-form questions. Uh, other than that, check us out with our comments and our chat feature on our website. Yeah, I should standardize this intro because I feel like it's always a little bit different in a way that you can never predict. Because you do some cool stuff on Instagram every now and then. Not as much anymore. Instagram sucks. Well, yeah, <laughs> but like... <laughs> no, I'm going to make this an argument, Caleb. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, no, any kind of like... Uh, I've done a couple of polls and uh, different questions um, that really kind of encourage interaction on the show. Like, how do you choose what book to read? Like, what what is your favorite book of the Bible? What's influenced you the most? Things that I would typically ask in a in one of our like our thoughts in real time um, mm-hmm. episodes. But you know, just forming some of those questions for an online audience. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Why does Instagram suck? I just like I feel like a picture. It doesn't need to be there with everything. You know, I and I don't like Twitter or X more. I hate calling it X, but it I don't like Twitter more. <laughs> I just feel like our content is better as like a written medium rather than an image, especially since we don't have uh, cameras yet. So it's better as a written medium. That's why we're talking for an hour and a half. Yep. Okay. Still, just anyways. <laughs> you know what? You understand what I'm saying? There's a there's a fan out there that's on my side more than Josh's. Um, <laughs> And uh, this episode is uh, kind of one of our special episodes. It's not a, a typical one where we follow exegetical ideas or even thoughts in real time. It's actually an interview with Pastor Kevin. Yeah, I love it. Welcome to the podcast. I do hope that it still follows a little bit more of a conversation than an interview, because if it's in an interview, people are going to get bored of me pretty quick. No, nah, it's going to be a conversation. Okay, it'll, good. It'll then, be we, fine. then we'll have fun. I'll it'll interrupt a, a healthy amount. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So... um you are a pastor locally here. Yes. How so did that come about? I am a youth pastor locally here in Langley. I've been at the same church now for uh, 15 years. It'll be 15 years in like a week or two. Uh, how did it come about? I went to Redeemer University out in Ontario. Uh, and to take a long story and make it quite a bit short, I went there to become a teacher. In my final year there, I felt God really pulling me to youth ministry I hesitated a little bit, told God, if you want that to happen, you need to make it happen. And after I prayed that prayer, two days later, my uh, girlfriend at the time sent me this job position in an email. 
And then I applied, and then I kept applying, and then they hired me for some reason. You and kept I've been there. Applying. Well, it was a bit of a process. <laughs> it was like a six-monther. They had lots of questions and essays and stuff. And anyways, we'll get into it. Wow. But I, I got hired because my ideas for how to run youth ministry and uh, how I think youth ministry should be modeled <laughs> fit into what they were already starting to do. And so I think that's why I got the job, and I've been doing it for 15 years there. And I absolutely love it. So when you talk about youth ministry, what was kind of the, the like initial thing that kind of turned you on to youth ministry? Like what, why specifically youth ministry? It could be young adults. It could be um, like lead pastor stuff. It could be like, why, why is it that youth group is like kind of your thing? Or I guess youth ministry. I don't know if youth group would be the right way. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think what the pull was, was because I was going to school to become a teacher, I've always sort of had a heart for that age demographic. And I, I always saw myself as like a grade 10, 11 mm-hmm. uh, teacher. And that's what I was going, like I said, that's what I was doing for school. And so when I was sitting in church or a random church where that, where God started really like pulling me in and, and putting on my heart youth ministry, I think it was just a natural progression because I had a heart for that age demographic anyways. And so um, when I sat in that service and was flooded with ideas and ministry models and things you could do where honestly not all of it has happened, but it, it just seemed to fit who I was and what I liked and um, what I was passionate about and maybe wow. what I'm gifted at. And mm. so it just, like I said, it, it all sort of just kind of came together over about an eight month time That's period. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. And here and we are. So did it feel a little bit like a slow build or do you feel like there was a moment? I think there was definitely a moment and then a slow build. Like, I think the answer Mm. is both. I, you know, Sunday morning I woke up, I had never ever in my life thought about doing youth ministry. Yeah. And then in the middle of the service, all of a sudden left being going, I think I'm going to be doing youth ministry. Like, I'm going to still, like I said, I was hesitant and I was Mm -hmm. a little bit like, God, I'm still kind of on the track here to become a teacher. So I'm going to keep pursuing that unless you make this happen. Yeah. And then he mm-hmm. kind of made it happen, so I, which was sweet because I didn't have to go for school for an extra year. So that worked out nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> a great exodus. Yeah, exactly. Will, yeah. I was like, take that, Redeemer. You don't get $16,000 more from me. Win. <laughs> yeah. Redeemer's a great school. People should consider going there. I can't make fun of them and then not plug them, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's so. fair. This that is... might be the first plug for any Bible college we've done on this podcast. Oh, really? But yeah. Did you guys all go to Bible college? Yeah, but we're not going to plug it. Yeah, that's fair. You guys just do your things. <laughs> well, I'm not plugging that it until I pay means... it off, dude. <laughs> well, see, I paid mine off. They didn't get 16 grand more for me. That made the joke, and I was like, that's mean. I should tell people that they're not so bad. Well, and Kevin, you're continuing education. You're doing your master's. I am, yes. So I, five years ago, was sort of, I don't know, challenged or or at least encouraged, maybe is the right word, by a number of people in our church to consider... Uh, going for my master's, my master's of divinity, uh, becoming ordained in our denomination, and then um, not necessarily because they wanted me to not do youth ministry anymore, but just, I don't know, they saw gifts, and I've been there for a long time, so uh, it was encouraged to do that mm-hmm. route. And so I've been, yeah, plugging away pretty darn slowly, but a course mm-hmm. or two a semester for the last five years. i probably got two more <sighs> years to go, uh, and then that will be wrapped up too, and ordination hopefully follows that, and then we'll see. I don't, though, when that's all said and done, feel called to leave youth ministry. So no matter when mm-hmm. that happens, I'm not looking at that as a shift from what I'm doing. Just it's helping me, I don't know, I think just function in my role better, makes right. me more educated. So, I mean, two years is a long time, so we'll see, but I'm not, I'm not feeling called to leave or to change my role completely mm-hmm. or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I still love youth. I'm still passionate about youth ministry. Uh, and I'm excited to see what God does with all that. It's awesome. So 
you're passionate about youth ministry. Yes. Uh, we, we all are because we're all theologians and stuff like that, but we all <laughs> okay. love the church. Um, but Kevin, what is youth ministry? Oh, so, I mean, the short answer is it's ministry to youth. That's the best answer. <laughs> oh Kevin. man. Josh, right. Isn't that, you guys question. are like super <laughs> theological, but like, I just think youth ministry is like showing teenagers, the gospel truth mm. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's what youth ministry is. And so there's different ways you do that. But like youth ministry is like inviting teenagers to know who Christ is, what Christ did, and how we live for him mm-hmm. in light of what he did for us. So like has Paul came to became the Gentile for the Gentiles, Jew for the Jews. Uh, do, you get to stay the a, do you get to stay a kid forever to witness for youth? I So, I mean, we can start diving into like what youth ministry is and isn't and what you need to be and what you don't need to be. I think that's a great question actually, because I actually think there is a bit of a misconception. Like luckily this is a podcast because if this was like a video or a TV show, people wouldn't watch because I am not cool looking. I am not like your stereotypical youth pastor. Like I'm pushing 40, I'm balding and I got gray hair in my beard very quickly in life. Yeah. Um, but I also am very convicted that you don't need to be like youth or young mm-hmm. or hip or culturally relevant or anything like that to be good at youth ministry, whether that's a youth pastor or a youth leader. I think the only qualification, and not to minimize my job or the youth leader's job, but the only real qualification to become a good youth pastor slash good youth leader is, are you able to love teenagers? Mm. And if the answer is yes, you can do this job. Um, I mean, you want to tailor the job then, because obviously if you've got preaching and you've got other things, then yes, you're going to want more education and that sort of thing. But in a nutshell, to do youth ministry well, at the core of it, if you can love teenagers, you can do youth ministry. And that's it. Good. What makes youth ministry different than just normal church? I mean, that's another great question. Laser tag. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's a lot of things that happen in youth ministry that don't happen in regular church. Yeah. Um, I've never seen seniors fight over an oil-stained tire and try to pull it across a field before, um, although that would be fun. Do you, do you want to explain that game? At one youth, camp, one youth camp, we divided the teenagers into four teams, and each team lined up to make a box, and then we randomly called out one youth from each team to run into the center of the square that they had made and grab a giant tire, like an inner tube, mm-hmm. which we had covered in canola oil, And the first two rounds was awesome. And they had to grab the tube and drag it back to their team. And so you've got four different people dragging the tube in four different directions. And it was awesome the whole time. But the first round or two went really, really well. But every time we added more oil to it, it just got so dangerous. And by the end, I think there was three concussions. (laughs) We were doing it in like 38 degree heat. So there was a couple people puking off to the side. I was in grade 12. So I was like at the, my last year of youth in the ministry when we did that. And like I had eaten food all day. I got like hypoglycemic <laughs> at the end of it. Like I had like a, like I almost fainted. Like it was, it was an event, but it's also one of the best memories in youth ministry. Well, I, I suppose we should point out you, uh, Kevin is Josh's uh, pastor. Yes, or, that's like, right. Yeah. Josh they work in the same church. <laughs> Josh was yeah. not even, well, how old you were probably in grade five or six when I showed up. Cause you church. came in 2008. Yeah. So I would have been 11. Yeah. 
And so he <laughs> entered yeah. youth in grade eight at our church. And I actually had the privilege of mentoring Josh for yeah. the five years he was in youth ministry. And then we've been hanging out ever since. Yeah. So he's been youth leading for like eight years now. And now we're coworkers. And now you're a colleague of mine. Yeah. He's much smarter than I am. <laughs> and he does great work at our oh, church. That gets into actually a great thing that I want to talk about. But before, uh, I, that's one of the only questions that I thought of before we came here. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta ask that, but, um, there's a, there's a secondary thing. Um, what's the most wild youth game you've ever been a part of? I mean, that tire game the was tire up ones. there. The tire yeah. one is up there. Cause we have vowed never to do that again mm. because the, so many people, the nurse youth leader said we can never do it again. Yeah. And I mean, she's, she's right. <laughs> we shouldn't. I mean, I ate a whole bar of soap one time. Yeah, <laughs> we've done. So, no, and I mean, we'll get into it. <laughs> That, was that a youth event or did you just do that at a youth well, event? Well, then I went to youth. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, I was told it was non-toxic. That wasn't true. Oh, that's <laughs> not ideal. Yeah, I was burnt bubbles for like three days. Um, and yeah. here I was thinking you were doing it preemptively, so then you could swear a lot. Yeah, that's you know? well, that's what it was, I think. No, we were doing one of those youth games where it's like you got to wear down the soap the fastest, and they just give you a bucket of water and a piece of soap. And I knew there was five other people behind me that wouldn't be willing to go to the lengths I did. So, uh, <laughs> so I ate the soap. <laughs> and I was like, it's gone, isn't it? And, uh, and that, was, that was that. Dove um, or Irish Spring? I think it was Irish Spring. <laughs> I mean, it tasted like Irish Spring. <laughs> Neither are ideal. <laughs> no, I don't think. I don't think it was non-toxic. So whatever the toxic one is, that's what. Because I remember not being able to to taste the milkshakes from from camp for the rest of the oh. uh, the camp because uh, I had actual chemical burns inside my mouth. And I went to one of the pastors and I was like, "Hey, uh, should I go to the hospital?" And uh, they said. Are you, are you in severe pain? I said it like it's like a four to four to ten, and they're like, ah, oh, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Couldn't taste anything. Anyways, um, I mean, I haven't made any youth eat soap before, so that's well. Good. You should try. You should get a non toxic though. We do. <laughs> we do. Actually, we just did this at youth camp this year. We've got this like wheel that they spin, and then we made youth uh, spin it three times, and whatever three ingredients they got, we put it in a blender and made them drink that. So we've done stuff like that before. Yeah. The um, wheel of doom. The wheel of doom, we call it. I filled up, I ordered from Tim Hortons a couple dozen Boston cream donuts, but I specially ordered them and told them not to put cream inside. And then I filled them myself with a few liters and we put like tomato paste and plum sauce and tuna, mayo, mayo, ranch. Yep. And you love youth. Oh, yeah. That it is was a fun. great idea. And then you take a little banana pudding and you put that on the little hole that you used to fill it so it looks like a real donut. Mm-hmm. And there were some pretty angry teenagers that day. <laughs> so, awesome. yeah, those are a few of the little things. But we don't do a ton of crazy. I think the craziest one that I can recall, and it's not the event itself's not that nuts. We did like an amazing race style thing around mm-hmm. Langley. Uh, and so they had some places they had to run to or walk to and. I don't know, there's six or seven challenges they needed to do at the stations. I found out at the end of the event that a few of the teenage girls hitchhiked between stations. Oh. And so that wasn't awesome. <laughs> so we had to, have some, had to have some conversations with them and then their parents. Uh, hey, so, don't I mean, do that. Yeah, that's not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> so yeah. I was, 
I'm, I'm going to tell him more. And then we're kind of competing here for what's hey, you the You can one-up me. That's fine. Yeah, no, I don't think it's going to one-up you, but it's pretty close. <laughs> um, it's not quite as bad as hitchhiking uh, the girls on the, in the woods somewhere. Um, we, Langley? <laughs> was it Langley? Yeah, oh, was I it mean, Dr. Langley? Yeah, I totally I missed that part. In the woods. <laughs> That's that was just immediately what my mind went to because every time I've played games outdoors in youth, it's been running into the woods. It's not a Texas Chainsaw Math. It was like one p.m. on a Sunday in the middle of Langley. Okay, we went up a little bit farther north to do like a cabin retreat. Yeah, you were also across the country. No, I wasn't. Oh, this was okay. in Vancouver. Yeah. Oh, um, so we were up north a little bit, and we had rented this cabin, and we took probably something like 25, 30 youth out. And we decided to do zombie game outdoors in the dark. And uh, it was kind of in the middle of the woods. Um, I think it was a ski lodge or something like that. And we got everyone to put uh, glow sticks around their neck so you could see people. Anyways, the kids got too scared within about eight minutes. And we had to all go back inside <laughs> because the leaders were too enthusiastic at yelling like zombies through the woods at these little kids. Um, not great. Probably should have delegated a little bit better. That's awesome. Anyways... It turned out to be a miracle because the Boy Scout camp, two lots down, um, was ransacked by a bear in the middle of the night. <laughs> the same night that we were running in the woods. Um, so, yeah, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That's so funny. <laughs> Even in fear. <laughs> Anyways, that's... So my question that um, when Josh was talking... <laughs> it's a quick transition. <laughs> Hard left turns here at the Second Great Saints podcast. Um, Josh was talking about how he's now a colleague. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, one of the things that I've thought about in youth ministry, and I've heard this advice from uh, a couple of different people, but it's training your own replacement. Yeah. So in what ways do you encourage your youth to be involved in ministry? I think... Sorry that it's like super serious. Now yeah, no, that. it's good. It's all over the it's place. It's all good. I think, I mean, one of the things we have happening in our youth ministry that I think is unreal and I love about it is we have a youth ministry where the attendance of youth is in the 40s. So last year, we actually mm -hmm. like 51 youth would, would could okay. come out. Not that they would, but we had 51 youth that sort of fit under our umbrella that we, that we tracked. And out of those 51 youth that were part of our church or at least part of our youth ministry, we had 16 youth leaders. Um, and so the ratio is quite good. It's like one to three in a bit uh, from a youth leader to, to youth ratio there. And I think that's fairly uncommon. I know there's a lot of churches that you can get youth leaders for sure, but to have 16 in a church that I would say is, is medium sized mm -hmm. is pretty unreal. And so if you're talking about training your replacement, I'm not sure if I'm training for my replacement, but I am training up leaders to be disciples, to be mentors mm -hmm. of teenagers. So out of the, I'd have to do this in my head and I might be wrong by a number, by one or two, but out of the 16 youth leaders we have right now, I believe 12 or 13 of them have been youth in our church and mm -hmm. have gone through this ministry model since I've been there. And so mm -hmm. the other three are longtime youth leaders who have been doing it for as long as I've been there or close to it. Um, or have joined our church uh, coming from the outside. So that would be something we do. So, And it's not just youth ministry that we're training these youth leaders to do, of course, but uh, a lot of them do love youth ministry. They loved what they do. And then I, my prayer is that, and I've seen that happen too, they, they do their youth ministry thing, they mentor their youth, and then they um, become elders or deacons in our church, or they go off to a different church and become, you know... Um, 
That's leaders awesome. there. Before I get to the next question, Kevin, do you want to point your mic at your face? Yes. Because sometimes when you turn, it'll you can hear that like better audio difference. All these yeah. podcast technicalities. <laughs> Don't worry. This will be edited out. Oh, perfect. <laughs> no, um, it won't be. Do we need to clap again? <laughs> leave, it in, leave it in, Stuart. <laughs> Actually, Kevin, because of that, we need to restart the whole episode. Oh, that's fine. I barely oh, said anything of value. <laughs> Um, Okay, so Stuart, we're starting. Um, So you just talked about um, how there's a lot of youth leaders to like ratio to the amount of youth. And you mentioned earlier that part of the reason the Emmanuel hired you was because uh, you were doing a ministry model that was similar to the one that they had started. Uh, That's kind of being called the mentorship model versus event based model. Uh, what is the mentorship model of youth ministry? Yeah. And so I, what I loved about this church, and I think, like I said, one of the reasons I got hired was when I applied for this job, they asked me to paint a picture of what an ideal youth ministry would look like. And I painted this idea of like, I think youth need to have mentors and youth mentors should follow them through high school and that shouldn't switch so much. And I think it's important that you have a lot of mentors because having one youth pastor mentor 40 youth is just not going to happen. That's impossible. Even having like four mentors mentor 40 youth is going to be pretty darn tricky in this day and age. So um, I think the youth need to build relationships with these adults who are Christ-centered, God-fearing people. Uh, and they need to stick around for those five years for their whole high school lives. And so, I mean, that was in a nutshell sort of what I wrote. And what was awesome was two leaders at the time at Emmanuel had already implemented that model the year previous. So Mike and Karen were their names, are their names. They're still alive. Uh, (laughs) They had implemented this awesome mentorship model at our church with about, I think there was eight or 10 leaders at the time mentoring Mm -hmm. the youth of the church. And so what I described fit into the mold that they were doing already. So it was awesome for me because when I got hired and started, I didn't have to implement this new ministry model or this new, I didn't have to rewrite the script or change anything really i could jump in and start doing ministry the way that i had envisioned doing it because these two had already already done that so if you i mean your next question was like what's the difference maybe uh, between like an event-based and a mentorship model i was just gonna ask like like how does it function like yeah i think in a nutshell at our church and, and i don't think this is necessarily super unique i do think that this model is being is happening in other churches um but I think we push it one extra degree more than other churches, if I'm being honest. So we have youth leaders who start in youth ministry and they sign on for basically five years. Now I'm not like a dictator. I get that life happens and sometimes people move away or they get married or like, and if things happen, we adjust. But generally speaking, if you agree and feel called and want to be a youth leader in our church, you are, you're signing on to start with uh, a group of grade eight students Uh, And we still divide them by gender. So, you know, there's grade eight boys and there's grade eight girls. And if you're, I get a couple of mentors for the grade eight girls and I get a couple of mentors for the grade eight boys. And they sign on to to, to mentor these teenagers from grade eight to grade 12. And so they follow them all the way through their high school lives. Um, We definitely do events. We do different things, fun events. We do teaching nights. We do casual lunches. We do stuff like that. So there's not there's definitely a program involved, but the extra degree we go is the center point of the ministry is that these mentors live their lives alongside of these youth. So it doesn't happen always just within the two hours a week that we have youth ministry. We, we talk a lot 
about these mentors. You know, if you need to do homework, your youth need to do homework. So go to Starbucks, pull one of your youth there and do homework there. You need to get groceries, grab a youth, go do groceries with the youth. You need to mm. walk your dog, grab a youth who has a dog, go walk your dog together. It's cool. Like do life together mm-hmm. and model for these youth what it means to be a Christ follower in the day to day, in the everyday of your life. Uh, and that pushes the boundaries of what church is and the body of Christ is, not mm. just meeting two hours a week, but meeting regularly. Uh, and I believe it paints a better picture of what Christ called us to do as disciples yeah. in this world. So that would be the extra degree that I think we go. So in a, in a mentor mentee relationship, it's so I, I, maybe my opinion on this has flopped back and forth in the last couple of years, but do you put more <laughs> um, responsibility on the mentor, the mentee to facilitate that relationship? Because at the same time, you can't have an adult that tracks down a kid and like, Hey, let's hang out sometime. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like that seems like the difficulty. So what do you do in your ministry to make sure that the mentee actually wants to be involved in this, um, this mentorship relationship? Again, that's a great question. I do think in the regular rhythm of life, like Mm -hmm. if if I'm a, whatever, I'm a 38 year old man. If I want to be mentored, I need, I want to go ask someone, to mentor me. Like, I'm yes. not going to like, just have some rando come up to me like, I'll be your mentor. Follow me. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess Peter and the disciples did that. So, <laughs> but you know, I but mean, Jesus still called them. Too, though, yeah. They would have so. been younger for sure. Um, but I do think that's generally how that goes. Um, I do think what's nice about youth ministry is like grade eight kids aren't thinking about that so much. I don't think, mm-hmm. I think generally they're not looking at like, who's going to be a mentor to me. Maybe some are, and some are keen enough to, to be aware that that's something that they, they want in life. But my job, one of, one of the aspects of my job, I'll say is to develop leaders. And so I'll, already when kids are in grade nine, 10, I can see, and I try to see and and discern who is showing, spiritual leadership, who is showing leadership amongst their peers, um, who shows good leadership qualities and characteristics. And then I start planting seeds in them already being like, hey, I can see that you've got this magnetic personality. I can see that you love the Lord. I can see that people are drawn to you. Like, you know, I know you got two or three years left of high school, but maybe when that's done, you should consider youth leading. Be that here or in whatever church you end up going to, but you should start thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And then generally speaking, the youth leaders we have, right, Josh, are Mm -hmm. 18, 19 years old either just out of or just out of high school or a year removed from high school. Um, and then they jump right back in and usually a grade eight kid's pretty pumped to have, you know, yeah. a 19 year old yeah. willing to hang out with them. It seems like also if, you, if that's the culture you developed, if it was like a one-off, you know, thing here and there that some people can kind of avoid for the most part, like the majority of the youth group could, could avoid. But if that's the, the main core of people are interacting with their mentors on a, very regular basis, then because it'd be so normal, I think mm-hmm. because youth are so shaped by the culture around them, if you create that culture around them, the mentee would generally have the desire. Is that right? Or I, no? no, I agree with you. I think in our church specifically, a grade eight kid knows coming in, oh, cool. I wonder who my youth leaders are going to be for the next five years. Like they just, they expect that now because they know that yeah. that's what we do here. So. Yeah. And there's a fun, uh, because you mentioned uh, that a lot of the youth leaders were youth, they know what it's like. And so they were like, I really liked it when this youth leader did this for me. 
they really paid attention to the at these moments in my life they find out the youth that they're like their age group is having and they're like oh i should go talk to them because they know what it was like what was happening and now they're seeing the behind the scenes um and it's a really cool thing i mean like even like i'm a youth leader in this format under kevin um and that's been great i yeah. am pretty thrilled with how it's all shaken out over the last 15 years all things considered I know it's not perfect. I mean, we can get into some of the foibles and some of the things that maybe mm-hmm. go amiss. It's by no means a perfect formula. Um, you'll still lose some kids and some youth in the cracks and on the fringes. And yeah. like, there's still some very real youth ministry challenges that still come. But I do think, in my mind, if the goal of youth is to raise up Christian men and women... That I mean, honestly, all the data is showing that they need to have adults in their life that are doing that for them. All the yep. data is showing that they need to have a mentor <clears throat> yeah. in their life through those formative years. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The data shows very clearly that mom and dad play a very, very key role in that. And this is not usurping that, but it is walking alongside of the parents and offering another person yeah. or three mm-hmm. to help mentor and be these leaders in their lives. This question might get into the, the next main question, but it seems like this model compared to how youth, the youth group models that I went to. Um, and I'm assuming that's what Josh means when he means event based. Yeah. Um, it was solely just to attract and then kind of, um, through osmosis by being around in the church, you're expected to pick up on biblical knowledge and knowledge of God relationships. And those things will just naturally happen, but it doesn't speaking as someone who kind of, grew up in those environments. I don't think it really works. Not super well. Um, so it's, it's awesome to hear that you guys are actually dealing with that. And I think that would, like you were saying, it would actually go into the things that the data says we need to. Well, with the hemorrhaging church and all of those problems. And absolutely. I mean, there's lots of hemorrhaging faith is a good one. Renegotiating faith is another one. Like there's lots of data out there about the 20 somethings who leave the church mm-hmm. and what went wrong and why did they leave? And mm-hmm. I, I mean, one of, and there's there's not just one, but one of the key factors is for those who stayed in the church is, oh, I had these awesome mentors who helped point me to Christ throughout my mm-hmm. my formative high school years, and yeah. I'm still here. And yeah. so it, it, it's not like a secret formula, um, but it is one that is, I think, hard sometimes to start. And you need buy-in from people. Because like I said, it's it's a five-year commitment in our church. Grade 8 to grade 12, you follow these youth throughout their school life. And I lie a little bit because, Josh, like, do you still keep in touch with your first group? Yeah. Right? So you're I, on year eight or nine now. Like, that uh, doesn't go away. I, you're leading I, with two of them. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, like, I just met with, like, one of them's leaving for university. And so, like, we all went to Denny's. And, hmm. yeah. So I tell you these leaders like, yeah, it's five years and then you're out, but you're not like you no. still mentorship doesn't end. And Kevin still and I are still friends. We're still talking. Right. So he was my youth leader. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it turns into a life. I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say life skill, but that's the wrong word. It just turns into like what we should be doing as Christians. Right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I <laughs> yeah. think that right? <laughs> most of the churches I've been involved with have been event based kind of just by, by the nature of my denomination, I, I find, but they're, like, I don't know if I've seen a mentorship relationship um, outside of the pastor and the student. 
I, I think a lot of times there's no uh, the volunteers aren't as active. They're damage control. They're making sure that you don't break the church. <laughs> yeah, I think that's and true. And that might just be the youth groups I was in. <laughs> and that could say more about me than anything else. because yeah, at yours, you were eating soap. Well, that was <laughs> that was a camp. That was like, kind of the whole province was just Damage control, you're fine. I do want to, I, I mean, and, I, and maybe this is me just like being a little bit hypersensitive. Like, I want to be careful because I don't want to poo-poo on other youth ministries either. Like, I, mm. I do think there is event-based ministries where they do the big thing and they've got big production mm-hmm. worship nights and they've got these crazy games and stuff. I do think there's like an evangelism being mm-hmm. done there. I think you invite more non-Christians into that type of mm-hmm. uh, scenario and that type mm-hmm. of an event too. I, I'm, I'm not saying that that's bad. We do big mm-hmm. events. We do fun things. We do worship nights. We do, mm-hmm. we go tubing, but we do it in the mindset that we're going to do this big event so that we can foster these relationships deeper, yeah. so that these leaders can spend time with these youth more, and that those relationships can can get a little deeper. And we will try our best to be pretty darn intentional at those events to make sure the mentors and the youth are clumping together yeah. in various ways as well. Um, that was actually one real. I think the the thing that has stuck with our youth ministry the most was we went on a on a, a youth leaders retreat to Kelowna, and the the one speaker mentioned. Uh, if you want to be able to impact a youth's life, they have to be able to trust you and youth spell trust T I M E. And so you have to spend time with them. That's a very youth pastor thing. To I know say. it's I super know. youth pastor. <laughs> I know, but it's also super true. Yeah. It's just like, Oh yeah. So it's just like, and so like spending all this time with them, right? Like it allowed them in their, like, it's like they start in grade eight and they'll end in grade 12 by like, I had one grade 10 youth come up to me after spending two years with them. One of them didn't talk to me until grade 11. He would give me one word answers. If he's listening to this podcast right now, he knows who he is. Uh, (laughs) uh, But like he was going through some stuff. He was, one of them was like having a rough time and he just called me and he was like, Hey, I don't know who to talk to about this. Mm. Yeah. And like his parents are the best people ever. And he was just like, I need to talk to somebody else. And so it was just like, yeah. And and I mean, I don't need to go into stories and all youth ministries have these stories too. So again, we're not isolated here, but the amount of times that some youth goes to their youth leader because they are suffering from, you know, some mental health, you know, crisis Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had, we've had kids with self-harm. We've had kids with severe depression. We've had kids with addictions. We've had, you know, and, and the youth leader has often been the person that they go to. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Because they foster that relationship, because they spend that time with those youth at an early age, by the time grade 10, 11 hits, all of a sudden there's this trusted person in their life that they feel mm-hmm. like they can go to. I think if you're not spending that time with them, um, it becomes the youth pastor, like you said, it becomes that yeah. one person. And that could work in a church with 12. It worked for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And it can. And I think mm-hmm. it can work. But if you've got a ministry of 40 youth, it'll work for six or eight or 12 of them but it's probably not going to work for all 40 of them, right? Because that's not enough. there's just not enough hours in a day for a youth pastor to build that deep connection with 40 yeah. teenagers, right? Which, so, Which is why they make big events where they can all be there so he can maximize the time with most that he can, and it becomes... And I think the spread out mentorship also helps avoid what I've coined the cult of personality. You know, where it's because the youth pastor is cool. It's because they're do he's doing all of this stuff. Like I've I've been around churches where as soon as that youth pastor leaves, 
nobody wants to come to the church anymore because they weren't connected to the church. They were connected to the cult of personality, yeah. right? Like it was, it was all about, we're going to go hang out with the cool 20 somethings guy who gets Zorb balls and lights them on fire and stuff. It's like, it's <laughs> awesome. And Very what, cool. I, I, and again, I think that's spot on. And I think one of the things we're trying to avoid in our youth ministry is just that I am not cool. Like our youth are not like, I'm going to go there because Kevin is awesome. If there's youth listening to this, they know that I'm right. And I know that I'm right. I'm just like, I'm tired now. I'm like old. Like they come for all the fun youth leaders, but they're not coming for me. I think they do love me. I'm pretty darn sure that's true. Um, But I don't think there's this cult of personality. And I hope that if I got hit by a bus on my way home tonight, um, this youth ministry would be able to function because we've got 16 super good youth leaders that could run with this thing. So um, yeah, that's any, my hope. If anyone's staying for a particular individual because they're cool, it's Aaron. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's maybe two or three <laughs> leaders that are super cool. Actually, no, most of the leaders are pretty darn cool. <laughs> yeah. I like that. You're like, no, but not all of them, but not all of them. <laughs> and you know what? If the other youth leaders are listening, they also know who they are. That <laughs> Josh, it's Mike. It's Josh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> seeing how he's awesome. the only other youth leader I know. It's Josh. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, case in point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm running. That's why I'm mentoring half the male youth right now. <laughs> no, um, I mean it's Joel. True. You have a thought. I do. Yeah. So let's do a little bit of, of uh, let's play along at home a little bit. I like this. Okay. So big games if, guy. Yeah. There we go. Um, if you've got somebody that is a uh, pastor right now in their local church and they're trying to start a youth group, this doesn't apply to anyone in particular. Uh, no. Uh, and but, you're not uh, revealing you know, your hand here at all. <laughs> no, it was it was actually a conversation I had with some youth at a at a camp awesome. just a month and a half ago, I believe. Um, and he was a pastor's son, and he goes, "I'm really trying to start a youth group. My town has 500 people in it, <laughs> right? Like, and I don't know how to um, still be a youth and run a youth group or how to get a youth pastor to like help out or whatever. It's like a real small church thing. What do you?" What are the essentials for starting the youth group in your mind? Yeah, I think... And maybe I formed that question badly, so edify it as much as you need to. Well, I'll just start answering stuff, and you could tell me if it actually applies to the question that you're asking or if I'm just talking we'll for the We'll see, sake Eric, of listen to this. Shooting yeah. from the hip yeah. round. <laughs> so I think sometimes we zoom out too far, okay, and we worry about... Um, you know, call it your, your whole town or the youth in your, your, your neighborhood and stuff like that. And I think you should be asking those questions. So I'm not saying don't do that. But my first question to someone doing that is like, who are the youth in your like corner? Who are the youth in your church? Who are the youth in your sphere of influence right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's name that group first. So how many do we got? Um, no, no. Keep oh, going. How many do we got? who am I going to disciple in the midst of that and figure out what that number is first. Cause again, if the answer is 50, you're going to need some help. If the answer is six, okay, well maybe you can actually roll with this right now by yourself and do that. Right. And if that number grows, okay, then you pull and help as that number grows. Um, and so that would be my first step is to figure out who is my actual, like, you know, window of ministry to like, mm-hmm. who is the framework that I'm operating? What is the framework that I'm operating out of? Uh, and then what Josh said, like, if you're talking about youth, you need to start spending time with them. So you yeah. don't need to know all of the cool things they do or be like culturally relevant or stuff like that. In fact, it actually does you a pretty darn big service if you don't know 
all of yeah. the things. Because you know what you can do? Ask them. Yeah. And then they'll start telling you about the stuff that they love. If you already know everything about cars, you're going to come in and just start talking to kids about cars. And they're not going to have a chance to like engage you in that. If you know nothing, good, teach me. Show me about stuff. I picked that one for a reason. Um, (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like the less, it's not that the less you know, the better, but like you don't have to know everything or be involved in all of the different areas. Just ask the kids what they're like Mm -hmm. to do. What are you interested in? Mm -hmm. Teach me about that. What type of music do you like? Oh, I don't know that band. Tell me some of the music they do. What's a song you like? Let me listen to these four songs. I'll come talk to you on Wednesday and we'll listen to it together. I'll tell you what I think. Um, you don't need to know all of the stuff. You can just learn from them. And Absolutely. that opens the door for conversations. And then they start asking you what you like. And then you can say Jesus. And now, <laughs> and then there you go. Then you've solved the world's problems. So if they That's open awesome. with Jesus, awesome. Good. Move aside. Get the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Hand them off to a mentor and yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, the numbers, the numbers matter, right? And I mean, not, they don't matter. They just, from a starting point, they help you. That data is important to know. Okay, I've got six kids. I can mentor six kids. Yeah. Oh, I've got twelve. Maybe I need another another person here too. Gender matters as well a little bit. You know, like I think it's easier for me to mentor males than it is for females. I think that's also mm-hmm. there's a safety to that as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's some nuanced things in there for sure. But um, get some other people who maybe share your vision of what you want to do. But I would start with how do you formulate a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you do that by living life with them. Um, you can do a fun event. You can do weekly events. That's yeah. great. But if you're not doing stuff outside of those weekly events, then you're a program, not a ministry. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's another a question about, I'll, I'll say, piloting a ministry, starting something off. Um, when do you know it has failed? <laughs> when do you <laughs> when do you uh, cut ties? And when do you know that you can keep going? Well, I have never failed. So okay, well that, well, I'm fine. kidding. I have failed I so many times. I specifically wrote down, don't ask when he failed. <laughs> I am, I am <laughs> okay, kidding. I did write that There's down. a lot of things that have uh, we have done uh, that have failed that you hit the reset button to and stuff. Yeah. Like, Almost youth camp this wait, year. Because you can't be married to everything. No, you know, uh, you you know just, what? Yeah, I'll give you an example. And maybe this is going to come in conversation because I think <laughs> I saw Josh, the 10 minutes I saw the questions before the podcast, I think I saw that this was one of them. Um <laughs> One of the things that our church uh, does, and I think it's super important, is we teach our kids um, sort of the the catechism, we call it. And so, you know, for those listening, if you don't know what that is, like our denomination follows certain creeds and confessions that the early church has formulated. Josh has probably talked about these lots. I know that you three know what these are, but, yeah, uh, you know. Canon's a dort. Yeah, Canon's a dort, <laughs> the Apostles' Creed, the, the Heidelberg Catechism, Belgian mm-hmm. Confession, um, you know, Nicene Creed the Athanasian creed, like those are the six that we kind of like hold to in our denomination. Mm -hmm. And so um, we have been teaching that to the youth since I got there for 15 years. But when I got there, that part of the ministry was not like going great. And so we tried to do it. We weren't getting a lot of youth out. The parents weren't buying in. And so we're like, okay, let's change it. Let's do the whole church thing. Let's get the whole church involved in this ministry. So we did this thing called ICE, Intergenerational Church Education. This was my brainchild and I was very proud of it. 
And so like every other Sunday night, I think we'd get the whole church in, we'd sing some songs, the pastor would do a little opening thing and then we'd break up into like intergenerational small groups and wow. talk about like different things. Yeah, it sounds really awesome, right? It was for like one week. That, and then it tanked. Oh, I, I forgot this was a story about failure. Oh, yeah, and I was like, I want to try this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just didn't go well. Here's the thing, though, Kevin. It worked on me because that started my theology career. Oh, <laughs> so, perfect. So it wasn't a complete failure. So the church that I'm going to, they do that. Well, and it's awesome. And I'm not <laughs> saying it's bad. I actually thought it was going to be awesome. Like I thought, But it just didn't work in our mm-hmm. setting. Like It mm-hmm. just didn't take. Uh, for some reason, it didn't jive with the church. I don't. I don't necessarily even know why we did debriefing, and I probably have notes in a file somewhere. And if I knew we were going to go down this road, I could have looked it up ahead of time, but I didn't. Um, but we it, really it just didn't. And then we tried to do it a different way, like this catechism teaching a different way, and that didn't work. And then finally, our last pastor and I sat down. We're like, let's just do it the regular way. We're like, I'll teach the grade nines and tens, and you teach the grade elevens and twelves. And I was like, okay. And then we've been doing it that way for like eight years and it's been awesome again. So, except for that one time that I had to stop a kid from lighting matches. Wow, there's always those <laughs> kids, Josh. Everybody's got a little pyro. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's your, there's your like, when you fail, you have to be ready to pivot and you have yeah. to be ready to, to change things up mm-hmm. uh, and adjust. We've, um, we've had youth leaders that just didn't work out before i mean fired is just probably way too strong a word but i have had to like tell you mm-hmm. for your story you can't you can't actually lead anymore it's not working you're not quite following the like mm-hmm. safe church guidelines and stuff like that that goes back quite a long time though um mm-hmm. so that happens and again i'd call that a failure i don't know but like you have to be ready to roll with things we've had lots of yeah. youth leaders feel called to different things one of them's a missionary now in mexico so you know she mm-hmm. she changed her life because she felt called and rightly so and moved away and then we had to replace her. We've had lots of leaders get married or move away because of the economy or for whatever reason. And same thing, you adjust with that and yeah. and figure that out. So you're always rolling with the punches, so to speak. But mm-hmm. um, I do think start with a place where your intention is to mentor these kids. Find people who share that passion, who share at least in the concept that like all you need to do is love these kids. Hmm. Um you know, I'm here, there's pastors here, there's elders in a church. We can answer their theological questions. You are allowed to answer them in the moment with, I don't know, let's look into that together. Yeah. And that can be a fine answer in the moment mm-hmm. on any given youth night, on any given event you're doing, whether it's in a coffee shop or the church walls. And then figure that answer out with them. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to know everything. You don't need to be set that way. Just are you willing to live life with these youth and love them? Start from there mm-hmm. and then see what happens. So we mentioned catechisms and confessions and stuff like that. And they're kind of like a, a framework of the beliefs of the denomination versus a creed, which is like the framework of the beliefs of like the entire church uh, at large. Um, what do you think is the importance of catechisms and biblical literacy in youth ministry? Well, I think... I mean, and again, I know our denomination says this. I, I do think it is important, and I think many other denominations would mm-hmm. would agree with this too. Um, I mean, the creeds and confessions and different, you know, documents, literature, whatever you want to call that exist out there from our forefathers, they just, they frame the gospel truth of Jesus Christ and the inspired word of God very well. And so using those to point you to God and point you to scripture and the doctrine and the theology that you find in it is just a way that you're pointing people to the word of God, pointing people to Jesus. And so if the ultimate goal of youth ministry is to make Christ loving, following disciples, using things like catechism, using things like um, creeds and confessions to help point them to the word of God, to help point them to Jesus 
is mm-hmm. is helpful for sure. Well, and I think one of the things with at least with teenagers, but I think it applies to everybody, to be honest with you, is people feel and think things that they don't know how to say, right? And I think theologically, too, people believe things that they don't they don't know how to phrase that, right? Like people will believe, well, Trinity is actually maybe the go-to example. It's like, yeah, I, I, I get it, you know, um, but how do I properly talk about it? And catechism classes and discussions with that, but uh, especially if catechism's worked into uh, like a yearly thing, which in many denominations it is, um, it gives the average people who aren't going to sit around and read theology the verbiage for them to organize their thoughts, which they already believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's super important because once they have the verbiage, um, not only can they explain it and relate it to one another, it means they can explain it to people who don't believe it. That's that's really good. And youth throughout time, people, humanity throughout time mm-hmm. has been asking the same questions mm-hmm. over and over again. We don't need to rewrite the questions. We don't need to rewrite the answers. Like they're, like I said, our denomination follows those creeds and confessions. All of the questions that people generally ask about theology, about God are found there. And so we can use that as a framework to then as a springboard to jump off into these discussions. I even think like people, I find that youth want to know more about theology than people think they do. Sorry, you look like you want to say something, so um, I'm going to jump over to you, Caleb. What's your What's the weirdest question, like the theological question, a youth has ever asked you? How do tigers mate? <laughs> Can I perpendicular? I, <laughs> they thought that tigers were asexual. <laughs> Oh. And then they got very mad when they learned that they were lied to at a young age. <laughs> Why? And it was done in the context of the theology of like um, how God reveals himself general and special revelation to, to the world and how he created order. Like, anyways, that's how it like springboarded all the way to there. But yeah, when we talked about, I don't know, how God called us to um, be fruitful and multiply, like the cultural mandate to care for the earth and to go go mm-hmm. forth and... Uh, he, someone said, oh, is that why like mammals and all these animals, like they have babies and blah, blah, blah. Anyways. And that's how he's and like, he said, except for tigers. Yeah. He's, like, like, Hold he's on. like, you said mammals all like have babies, but what about tigers? I was like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? What about tigers? <laughs> and this guy was in grade 12. Yeah. He was like pretty old. <laughs> yeah. Like he had to ask the question three times because I wasn't sure what he was asking. <laughs> yeah. So that would be your answer. <laughs> the best answer I got best. to one, because I led Heidelberg Catechism once, like, like for like half a year. Um, and I was explaining the Trinity to a bunch of grade eight, grade nines. And one of them was just like, oh, like halfway through as we were on to the next topic. I get it now. It's like three in one toothpaste. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, no, but yes. <laughs> That's That'll amazing. do for now. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I think it's an opportunity as youth pastors to to walk through some of the the largest misconceptions about life. And that's not just like on, on like a spiritual level as well. I know there was uh, there was one experience I had during my first internship that there was uh, at the end of youth group. We said, does anyone have any prayer requests? And the kid goes, yeah, can we do grace? And I'm like, great. What do you mean? He goes, the one we do at Thanksgiving. 
this guy's asking us to pray for his food and he thinks he's requesting that's the prayer that we do. (laughs) And I'm like, I've never thought about it like that. Like I've never thought about prayer requests in that setting. So you just like, you kind of just got to walk through kids with like through uh, situations Mm -hmm. like that and realize that not everyone, you know, has all the answers yet. There's Joel over there praying for the harvest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. In the winter. You know what? I don't even remember if we actually did it because it was like... (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's so good. You, yeah. you come across some of those things, or like the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Why wouldn't you want the Lord as your shepherd? It's like, oh, okay. So oh. you misunderstand the, the <laughs> verbiage and like this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> but that's so, such a good question for a great kid, question. right? Like that makes so much sense that they would ask that. Yeah. 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 There's just this opportunity to be like, oh, okay. Well, let's dig into this again because yeah. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not what it's saying, though. <laughs> right? Why is like, God's name Howard? <laughs> Howard be thy name. <laughs> Again, fair, stupid question. I had a friend that did, did, you know figured out dinosaurs last year. Like, what do you mean figured out? Like that thing? Well, his pastor had told him that they you know hid whale bones to confuse us. No, I don't know. He had so run into they, a bad apologetic. Well, here's the thing. A lot of youth pastors now are becoming just impromptu apologists because there's so much, uh, you know, theological content just floating around the internet. And some of it is like random Nation of Islam stuff that we can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. are you Colton right now? Yeah, like Colton. That one time he brought up Nation of Islam and I won't let him forget it. Anyways. <laughs> Except like if you run into this time to bring up Nation of Islam <laughs> yeah. as a byword. Well, there's no worse time to learn bad theology than when you're first forming your theology, because then it just becomes this weird baseline you got to get rid of. Well, I mean, um, just recently I saw a short, um, Joe Rogan's the most listened to podcast, right? Yeah. And it was him ranting about how the New Testament was made up by Constantine, obviously, and everyone agrees. And then it just moves on and you scroll through your, your Instagram reels. And that is so, like, I don't know of anyone who is... I don't know of anyone who holds that opinion. <laughs> Bart Ehrman will say that just like, is that his name? No. Not Bart Ehrman. Bart, what's he might his say name? that in his public books because he has a different opinion in his academic books. Okay, then we are talking books. about the same person. Yeah. Um, Anyways, bad apologies. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, but like stuff like that, uh, youth will go through that and they'll go like, oh, why? And sometimes parents aren't equipped to answer those totally. questions. Yeah. And I think that's an area too that. I mean, if you're talking about growth areas for our church, like we have mm-hmm. such awesome parents in our church. We really, mm-hmm. really do. I do think part of my job is to equip parents to be able to handle those types of conversations and questions with their mm-hmm. youth. And I do think that's an area that I could improve on and our youth ministry could improve on for sure. So mm-hmm. um, we have done, we try to do different teaching nights where we invite parents in. We did one last year on, um, uh, oh, sexuality, pornography and sexuality. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. like the, 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 I'm trying to remember what the actual name of the, the teaching session was, but we had a, a counselor come in and uh, talk about the dangers of, of media and pornography and yep. accessibility. And we had all the youth come and sit in that so that he could talk to the youth. And we had all the parents invited too, and they sat separately. And then we divided them up. And then I took the kids and the, the leaders, and we talked about the seventh commandment, do not commit adultery, and what that means and how that applies to them. And then the parents sat in with the counselor still and learned more about how they can like be on guard against, mm-hmm. you know, all the sexual immorality that exists in our world, and how easily accessible it is. And so we do try to do things like that where we, we teach parents and equip them. But um, you're right. Like, I do think there's a lot of parents that feel very ill-equipped. I know I do as a parent. Yeah. You know, there's lots of things that I was like, oh, man, I need to dig into that more because, you know, my 
10 year old is almost 11 and mm-hmm. she's going to be going to middle school in a week and I need to make sure that we're like ready for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I got two questions and then we're going to like shift to this other idea, but what has been the most difficult part of youth ministry? And then after what is the most rewarding part? The answer might be more similar than people think. I think the most difficult part of youth ministry is our youth. And I I don't mean our youth in our church, though I do mean them as well. But I think youth of today generally are very anxious, very hurting, and very, they feel very lost or hopeless in this world. And I think seeing the toll that that takes on specific youth that I am obviously not going to name, but um, that I have seen throughout my time at the church, but also in the present time at the church, it it, like, it sucks, you know, Mm -hmm. it sucks seeing youth go through these hard times and um, knowing certain kids histories and stuff like that. And knowing the stuff that they've had to deal with that I have never had to sniff. um, But I still get to walk alongside of them with their Mm -hmm. youth leaders and stuff um, can be very difficult. It can also be extremely rewarding because Mm -hmm. when you walk through the Valley of the shadow of death with people and this isn't just youth ministry now this is ministry in general you become very close to those people uh, and relationships are formed in those valleys as well and the depth of relationship that you experience when you are present with i mean i get to do with teenagers and young adults primarily but when you are present with people who are going through that thing and you can continually try to point them to jesus in the midst of that um, is extremely rewarding as well um, and I think we see that in the amount of leaders we have in our church who have come from youth ministry mm-hmm. in our church, who have gone through sort of those five years. Some of them have been those youth who have gone through hard times, uh, and then they come out the other side, and then they want to be there for other youth mm-hmm. who are going through hard times. And so what can be so difficult can turn very rewarding at the mm-hmm. end as well. doesn't always, but it certainly can. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I like that. Um, so we've been talking a lot about mentorship and focused like individual attention on youth. How do youth conferences, which are a pretty big, have been a huge thing in the two thousands. Um, how, how do they fit in this mentorship model ministry style? Yeah. So again, I think it's just important to note, this is not like, I'm not prescribing that we shouldn't be event. Mm hmm based like yeah i just think we shouldn't be only event based like if you're only doing events and you're not building relationships you're not spending time with youth outside of those mm-hmm. events you're not walking alongside them in the everyday you're you're missing what ministry needs to be and so a youth event is awesome because if kids come to youth group once a week they're there for i don't know 2 hours let's call it so you get to spend out of those two hours, you probably don't spend every waking second with them because they're off with their friends and they're talking with this group and you're dealing with that kid who lit that thing mm-hmm. on fire in the corner. And, um, you know, so out of that two hours, you maybe get 30 minutes with different youth. And that's mm-hmm. great, but that's 30 minutes a week. You're not going to formulate any sort of big time relationship in 30 minutes a week. Um, it's definitely not going to counter the four hours of doom scrolling they've done that night on <laughs> Instagram, right? Like, yeah. So, A weekend conference is awesome because you get two, three days with them. Um, And that's a lot of trust time with them. Um, Mm -hmm. 
to invest and to pour into them. And so those events are awesome for that because you get to yep. spend time with them. Um, they're there, you're there. They're probably, you're just probably doing workshops and general sessions or whatever you want to call them. There's worship stuff and all that stuff, but there's also a lot of time just to hang out and hanging out mm -hmm. with youth is mm -hmm. a very fun and b super impactful for developing those mentor type relationships. And so mm -hmm. things like youth conferences or weekend camps or things like that are missions trips. I mean, those are good for all sorts of reasons. Um, but one of them, if you're talking about mentorship as like the primary focus of a youth ministry is you get, just get a lot of time with them to spend mm -hmm. and opportunities to ask them all sorts of questions. So I don't think there's anything wrong with any question you ask youth. Um, you can ask them 20 really good questions. You just need one to stick. Like if Absolutely. they shrug you off 19 times, but one of them all of a sudden lands, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. You pour into that question and see where they go. Yeah. That's so good. I think that's uh, something that kind of has come up in, in my first little bit of youth ministry is like downtime's not downtime, right? Like your your uh, friendships with these youth, these the, the mentorship is a continued process that happens even when the service isn't going on, even when the worship's not happening. Even like, uh, I, I remember I went to camp and we had a, a section at the end of the night that started off as just, okay, you guys have to go to bed. And then by the end of the week, it was, this is uh, Deep Christian Lore with Lobster, which was my nickname <laughs> at camp, where they would just ask the dumbest Christian-like theology questions, and I would give them the best answer I could. <laughs> and it was just kind of off the cuff, but then if somebody else felt like they had an answer, we would screen that through. And, it was, and, and so I, I like what you're saying there, where it's like when you have longer periods of time, it's not just the events, but it's the downtime in between the events. Um, I like that. Most of the That's best conversations I feel like I've had with youth, um, and I think leaders would say the same thing. I didn't mm -hmm. use this quote, Josh. What was the quote that you heard from some youth pastor somewhere about like the best times with youth are the times? Oh, like the the best times with youth are when they approach you in the quiet times between like 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 when it's quiet when they're just like, hey, can I talk to you? Yeah. Or like like. You know, like you play the dodgeball or you have the big worship night or you have the discussion of group, right? But then it's just like when they call you or when they, they stop you in like the hall at church and they're like, hey, I, I had this idea. I don't know what I'm, I want to talk to somebody about this. Yeah. And it, yeah. Totally. And that's just it. Like usually the best times I've got with youth are when all of a sudden you just end up, you know, you're walking somewhere doing something and you're shoulder to shoulder with someone still in the group, but maybe just mm -hmm. behind them or ahead of them or whatever. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, hey, I have this thing happening. What do I do? And all of a sudden you realize, oh, we're just like, we were just hanging out, walking from point A to point B or doing this thing at this conference mm -hmm. or this weekend event that we're doing, or even this two hour event we're doing. But I found myself shoulder to shoulder with, you know, some guy. 20 feet behind or 20 feet in front of the group of kids. And now yeah. they're realizing they've got an opportunity to talk to you and ask you yeah. a question. And those are the moments yeah. um, that are amazing. I don't know if youth remember a sermon I preach at youth group, but they'll remember a conversation I have with them off to the side for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of conferences, these great moments where you get to spend a lot of time with the youth. Uh, Kevin, what is reactivate? Oh man. So we have a conference coming up in a week and a half. Our church is actually hosting it for the first time, mm -hmm. but this conference, I think it's the eighth or ninth time we've done it. It's called reactivate. It's a, a weekend conference for youth. Uh, there's usually about 10 to 15 churches from across BC that send their youth down our way. And we spend a whole weekend with them. We do worship. Uh, we've got a, a 
a keynote speaker coming this year. He's a missionary in Chase, BC, to the indigenous community. So he's gonna wow. he's gonna be chatting about uh, what it means to proclaim the gospel and the different contexts he finds himself in. Um, we've got a bunch of workshops called Learn It's that the youth have signed up for, um, which we'll talk about in a, a half a second as well. Uh, and then on Saturday afternoon, they all get to go do something fun. So there's canoeing and disc golf and hiking and art and stuff like that. And they spend their time learning that worshiping God doesn't just happen within the walls of the church, but it happens in all areas of life. Mm-hmm. So that's Reactivate. It happens Friday night till Sunday morning. There's three general sessions, a bunch of workshops, a lot of fun and games and food. Uh, and you guys are coming this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first time going to a Reformed church is going to be awesome. Oh, you're going to love it. We I, are pretty sweet. I have never been to a Reformed That's church. Right. Yeah. I mean, the building will look like most of, of the other churches you've been to, I think. Yeah. My church looks kind of like a warehouse. <laughs> 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 no, it doesn't. It's a warehouse with a cross on it. Um, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. So these these guys are doing a <laughs> workshop on engaging media well. And so how do we as, you know, yeah. Christians engage the world of media properly? This is when I feel like we're going to get a comment on YouTube that's going like, why are you getting these guys to talk about media? <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> we're from the, the kingdom of media. Because they asked, that's why they're coming. Yep. Um, <laughs> do it. Oh man, they, they spilled the beans. Okay, well, let's get to a very serious question about media then. Uh, top three franchises. Um, X. Um, X. <laughs> like X Men? No, like Twitter. Oh, uh, he's talking movie. Franchises. Oh, you want movie franchises? Movie franchises. Um, I mean, Marvel's pretty darn big right now, isn't it? Does that count as a like franchise? I don't mean objective. I mean like a subjective opinion of what you believe the best franchise. Do you think Marvel's one of the best? I mean, franchises? I've, I've pretty much been handing over my money to Marvel whenever they put a movie out, and I have never even read any of their comics before. So um, they've pretty much they got you. Man. Oh, they got me. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, it's because. Me and the other pastor, Chris, who was the last interviewer, just constantly talk about it. And so he just gets this passive lore. He's secondhand loring. Actually, the other reason, it, well, I mean, the one reason is they're fun movies, and I get that that's true. The big reason is going, making this actually apply to what we're talking about, because it's yeah. super true, is a bunch of youth really loved Marvel movies, mm-hmm. and they wanted to go watch them. So I said, yeah, I'll come with you. And so we started watching Marvel movies 15 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um And there's a bunch of youth that I just watch Marvel movies with now because that's what they want to do. Because that's what living life with youth is like. That is awesome. They're not youth anymore. Nope. Now they're Josh. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about Josh again. Oh, man. Yeah, he is one of probably six or seven youth that I've gone to Marvel movies with over the the years. Because again. There was one event where it was like uh, four youth, two of their dads, and then the, the pastor, Kevin, and I... And, and two other youth leaders went to watch a movie. Yeah. And we hung out Boston Pizza beforehand. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty sweet. It was a yeah. good night. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So with our time remaining. Wait, just you the said, one. Do I just <laughs> talk about Marvel? I don't know. Other franchises? <laughs> I don't know. So are we talking like movies or you know like. What? I'm starting to think this wasn't a good question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't, I'm not that cool. Remember? Oh, that's fair. Uh, but we can both agree the Lacanius trilogy sucks. Anyways, next question. <laughs> 
Nobody in the audience will get that, no, but it's I been brewing for a long time. I'll explain it really quick. Josh read this book series called the Lycadius Trilogy. He told me I should read it, but they're like 700 pages, and that would take me two years to read. So I said no. And then he got our pastor to read it, and he really loved it, and he I still wept. said no. <laughs> and then he got our administrator to read it, and she really loved it. And I said, all right, if the three of you think it's good, I'll read it. And so I'm halfway through the second book, and it's only been two years. <laughs> I, I got you two of my coworkers pass. to read it, and they love it. Their family started reading it. It's so good. It Their dog good. ate it. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway. Um, it is long, though. So, so uh, Joel doesn't know a good book if it hit him in the face. It so. did one time. <laughs> And then he'll go, they're too big. The, big, the book's too big. too big. I'll read Brandon Sanderson in a weekend. No, no, no. no. It's I too big. I think Brandon in... Sanderson writes on the very front that, like, this guy is super good. You should read his stuff. Yeah, but yeah. he says it about Wheel of Time, and I don't care about Wheel of Time. <laughs> well, that's because you wrote the last third. That's just a bunch of feminist wizards. <laughs> Anyways, we're going. <laughs> that's just Hogwarts for women. <laughs> we might have to clip that. You might have, you might have lost some subscribers. <laughs> Yeah, maybe oh, one. We found the intro. Is overwhelming Kevin, sub is all for us right now. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm right. <laughs> That's the most arrogant thing I've ever said on the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Thinking. Okay. Should we clap speaking again? Of, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Let's just start this no, whole thing Speaking of women. Okay. Whoa. Who would, who would, uh, win, who would win in a fight? Joyce Meyer or Joel Hostie? <laughs> Worst way to phrase a question ever. Joyce Meyer, 100%. <laughs> Why? She would name and claim the win, and Joel Osteen would have no idea what to do with that. True. Use his own power against him. Yeah. That's like that Babylon Bee article that said someone named and claimed Joel Osteen's private jet, and now he's pissed. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, which crusade is your favorite? The second one. The Children's Crusade? I can't. I don't know the Crusades. <laughs> I just know they were bad. Just, just say the first one and say it was justified. <laughs> so I'm reading a book on the Crusades. Here's the weird thing. They are just You're on board. Here's the, here's the weird thing. Totally not justified. Way too many miracles happened in the first one. <laughs> and it makes me go, I, I, I don't know. Maybe God was there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite heresy? Oh, man. What is my favorite heresy? How long do I get to like sit here and think about it? We can cut out however long. Yeah, okay. Favorite heresy? Don't say the Trinity, because that's just... <laughs> Whoa. No. That's... Whoa. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little off of this conversation. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the... I, the one that does get my goat quite a bit is the like prosperity gospel. And I know we already just talked about mm -hmm. Joel Osteen. And so that's like risen to the front of my brain, but yeah. um, the prosperity gospel, like I think that only does harm mm -hmm. for people who need to actually hear the gospel. Yep. Um, especially cause like we've done missions trips to Mexico and stuff like that. And I just, my heart breaks for some of these people who, you know, are living in poverty and then mm -hmm. they get preached to like, Oh, it's just cause you suck. Maybe if you sucked less, you'd have more money. And it's like, how is this about Jesus? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like so offensive. It drives me blockers. I've never heard a phrase like that, but yeah. If you but that's what it is, right? Yeah. Like, that's the prosperity gospel. It's costly grace. My, my, 
What I've heard uh, someone say once is, uh, well, all the apo- all the apostles, well, save for John, died horrible ways. Man, if they just had enough faith. <laughs> it's true. It's true. If John yeah. had faith, or if Peter had faith like me, well, he wouldn't die. <laughs> I, Whoa! Oh, yeah. That actually reminds yeah. me. I went in university. I went to this conference on missions, like overseas mm-hmm. missions. I can't remember what it was. It was in Connecticut. I can't remember what the name of the conference was. But it was like two weeks long. And they had speakers come from all over the place. Whoa. And the one... Uh, I attended with a bunch of students. The one guy is actually a pastor friend of mine, Dave. Um, he was there as well, and there was about eight of us listening. And this one guy came and spoke about missions uh, and his stance. He called it, uh, oh, man, I can't remember, divine conversation or inspired conversation or something like that. But his whole point was that people will go to heaven if they don't reject Jesus and they can't reject Jesus if you never tell them about it. So has that you read sucked. Romans? <laughs> yeah, right? So I just remember sitting in an hour long session about this guy just like drilling us about like don't tell people about Jesus and they can't reject him. So that's what we should do at these like when we go to missions overseas and stuff. And I remember my friend Dave, like I said, he was a pastor friend of mine now uh, out in, in uh, Surrey. He like pulled all eight of us to the side afterwards and be like, Hey, I think we all know this, but we do not believe that. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that being quite shocking in my leg. I like the idea that that guy's a quote unquote missionary. And yet his job is specifically not doing his job. So his divine (laughs) conversation is to talk about anything else, but Jesus. No, no, no. I have another theory about this. He doesn't want competition. <laughs> oh. So he's tell he's going when he goes back to where he's it's from. A psyop. He tells everybody <laughs> stop being a missionary so that when he goes there, he you becomes know, he, a he, super missionary. He becomes a martyr or like a saint so that he gets in the books. Yeah. So I mean yeah. that that heresy kind of sucks too. Yeah. There's probably worse ones, but those two pop into mind. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your least favorite mainline Protestant denomination and why is it the United Church? (laughs) (laughs) These last four questions were all stewards. Do I have to answer that one? I feel like it answers itself. (laughs) Only a yes or no. (laughs) Oh man, that's good. I mean, we're all, this is your like youth pastor answer. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Except for the United Church. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> no, we we all got problems. We all got problems. And yeah. We definitely all got I problems. I feel like you should just mute my mic for this conversation. <laughs> no, I want to hear what you have to say, Joel. <laughs> On the United, you want to hear what I have yeah, to say with the United got, Church? You got five minutes. <laughs> five, only five. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go off on the United Church. Yeah. No, like, like each of our denominations, like to talk about the denomination issue is just like each of our denominations have something they believe about Christ that's wrong. That's yes, Josh, but we what? don't we don't quote the Sparkle Creed. And if you know what that is, if oh, you don't know what that is, barf. yeah, you're right. Take yeah, okay. <laughs> Take a look. You'll get about five seconds in and you'll go, I I can't yeah. do this. Or the uh gender neutral uh uh our father. Oh that's that's uh, that's Lord's Anglicans. Prayer. Yeah. 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 That's that's a very um our parental guardian. <laughs> yep. oh, bummer. That's yeah. a that's a subsection of Anglicans. Yeah. I found a great book called Mother God the other day. <laughs> when was, you say great. Oh. <laughs> it was a used bookstore, so I didn't feel like I was contributing to it. Uh, so I bought it for $4. <laughs> 
And it's hardcover. And it, uh, <laughs> isn't, isn't that the book that somebody snuck into my desk at uh, when we were in dorms? No, that's um, Live Your Best Life Now. No, there's that. And I think there's a book called Mother God. Is there Mother God as yeah, well? Well, yeah. I also have a copy of it if you need it. <laughs> if I need in another. case you run into Kindling for yourself. Um, no. <laughs> I don't know. I got an important question. Are you touching Lego plants? Yeah, Josh, can no, you those explain are real. your decor? <laughs> yeah, so Lego has this uh, brand of <laughs> uh, Lego for adults. It's called for adults. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, called the uh, like the floral collection or whatever. And so like they make it look, it's like a pot and a plant. This one's an orchid, but it, they make it look the most like a plant they can. I mean, I thought it was a real plant for a long time <laughs> until yeah. you started bending the leaf. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, even if you look inside of it, there's, like, little brown pieces that replace, like, the bark mulch. Guys, this yeah. conversation has just spiraled. This is what happens when you get a youth pastor to come to your podcast. <laughs> I, I like it. I can, this is kind of my vision for the podcast all the time, but nobody wants to do it. Here's here's the thing. If we actually want to talk about the United Church, we'll get canceled. <laughs> By who? Well, you know. Oh, the United Church won't listen to us anymore. <laughs> they never did. Uh, John Wesley's just dying. <laughs> and the Joel. sense he's already dead. What? I got no more questions. Do you got any more questions for Kevin? <clears throat> any more questions for Kevin? Oh, looks like Caleb does. He's which, which miming. Bl- Sorry, this is the this is the question that I wanted to ask every guest that we had at the beginning, and then Kat. this is not the beginning. Um, which book of the Bible, not which book of the Bible is your favorite, which book of the Bible has affected your thinking the most? I think at different points in my life, there's probably a different answer. I think I took a course on Genesis that was pretty formative for me on just like the character of God and the narrative of scripture and the story of scripture that we find ourselves in currently. I think that was a pretty darn good course on Genesis. So that one's up there. Um, we are doing a preaching series through Romans right now. And Romans is, I mean, beyond deep. And so that one has been very formative, um, really painting a picture of grace and um, are really, I mean, we talked about the creeds and confessions. The Heidelberg Catechism is divided into three sections. It starts with our sin and misery, and people hate that because why are we talking about how like sinful we are and depraved we are? But it's because you don't you don't know grace until you know what you're saved from. And so I think Romans paints that picture quite beautifully. It it it, it covers the sins that we commit and the the darkness of this world um, uncomfortably accurately before. Mm-hmm. It points us to Jesus and shows us the beauty of God's grace and God's sovereignty and, this, like, like I said, the, the story of Scripture again and how this was his plan all along and what Jesus came and did uh, and how we um, our identities are rooted in who he has called us to be, not what we try to do or what we try to accomplish, which I think is so countercultural to this day and age. So Romans is up there right now, but again, that's pretty darn present. Um, I always grew up 
I'm not, I was never much of a reader as a kid. So like, I like the little guys. Uh, first Thessalonians was always good. There's a bunch of verses in Thessalonians that I love. My favorite verses still, yeah. um, rejoice, always give thanks in all circumstances, pray without ceasing. I think I mixed up the order for this is the will of God, mm. uh, for your life. Cause I just love that picture. I think a lot of times in my life, but also now I hear testimonies of youth and stuff. They're always, people are always concerned that they might not be doing what God's will is for their life. I need to, which school do I have to go to this one or that one? And mm-hmm. you know, the answer is no, no. You, yes. Like doesn't matter. Pick one, but live this way. This is what God calls you to do. Like this is the will of God for your life. So I think it simplified life for me at a younger age, which I appreciated. Um, anyways, there's some answers. That's cool. Is that good? I like it. Yeah. yeah. That, that verse is also such an easy verse to pull out of your pocket. Like just memorize it. And then when every conversation, when somebody's like, I, I don't know what the Lord's calling me to. Be thankful that go rejoice, pray yeah. lots, yeah, and then go do whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, that's not what no, that's no, not, no, no, no. Am I misreading that one? That seems like a youth pastor is that translation? Bad, is that bad theology? <laughs> you guys are the experts. Yeah, if we're the experts, man, we're since in a hard the one guy's almost got a master in divinity. <laughs> yeah, some good it's doing me. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's doing great things. <laughs> I've always thought the name Master of Divinity sounded really cool, but I don't think it translates to what you do. <laughs> you know, the Master of the Divine? That speaking, seems a little... Speaking of wizards. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's one of the first conversations I ever had with Josh, was he said he was a diviner. Yeah, you remember that? Hang on. And you said, I'm a diviner, and I said, diviner, I barely know her. <laughs> Anyways... That was a bad conversation. I never had that conversation. (laughs) You absolutely did. It was in the commuter lounge, dude. Anyways, we'll talk about that more later. I think we should talk about it right now. Josh, (laughs) why did you think you were a divider? I didn't say that. I think he just knew the answer to something, and I asked why, and he said he was a divider. I mean, Josh is brilliant. Well, it it goes into the everyone is semi-omniscient idea. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know a little bit of everything. If if you're... If you're a Socratic philosopher, that's the answer. You I'm have. not. <laughs> anyway, so Socrates had this idea that all knowledge was in every human brain, but you just had to remember it. Yeah. No. I, okay. Anyway, um, I was explaining that for the audience because <laughs> that seems like a counterintuitive thing to explain. Hey. Yeah. No. <laughs> a little bit no I, that. I didn't explain it to them. I reminded them. They well, already knew. The fact of, of this thing is that everybody already knows it. So explaining it's redundant. You know what's funny? They're going to see the end of how long this podcast is. And they'll be reminded when it ends that, oh, that's right. It came to an end. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. Joel. This is why people need good mentors in their lives. Yeah. To guide them forward. You can't end a good thing. It's so hard to end a good thing. It is. Joel, Which is why to... this podcast is going to be real easy to kill. <laughs> no. Um, thank you, Kevin, for coming on the podcast. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. I, I think that we got uh, some good takes on youth ministry. I think we got some weird takes on the United Church. And I think, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what kind of uh, response we get from this episode. If there's anyone that has any questions, comments, or concerns regarding um, the topics we've covered, or if you believe there was a, a question we should have asked Kevin, um, be sure to to uh, shoot us an email at secondratesaints at gmail.com or check out our website at secondratesaints.com. And uh, if you'd like to keep following what we're doing, check out our Instagram, our Twitter, our threads, our uh, Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we are on Rumble, but we've got like 16 views. <laughs> so if this reaches you. Um, and if, if I can, if I may, I mean, if I may, if you are out there listening and have questions like Joel's first question off the top or towards the top where you are trying to start a youth ministry or you're finding yourself in youth ministry and you don't know where to go or how to get things rolling, please feel free to reach out to the Second Rate Saints and they will contact me and hopefully we can connect and I will happily have a conversation with you. I'm so youth glad you offered means. that because I was going to say that and I'm like, I'm not going to give this guy a side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> Getting him open to the... Anyways. Side hustle away. Side hustle away. Perfect. Yeah, we can forward emails here at Second Rate Saints. That's one of our many things we can do. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Never done it before though. <laughs> oh man, just end the podcast. Yeah. <laughs>